Shankly Kids. I heard a copy calling. Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Alongside me tonight, co-hosting is Peter Collis. How are you, P? Have you rec- recovered from Saturday, yeah? Just about, yeah, mate, just about. How are you? Oh, yeah, not too bad, thanks. The guests on tonight's show are Matt Smith. Matt, you will all know from uh, his presenting on BT Sport, the BBC, and Eurosport, amongst others. Matt's uh, second time on the Cop Table podcast, so warm welcome to the show once again, Matt. Thank you very much to Peter and Peter. Cheers. Excellent stuff. It's right here. Thank you. Also uh, on tonight's show, representing Tottenham, we have Ben Fitzsimmons. Also Ben's second time on the show. Ben has been a Spurs fan since he was uh, five years old from a time when Spurs were winning trophies. Ben's words they are, not mine. <laughs> ben says he's, he's now a proud dad that is uh, educating his, uh, his lad on the ways of Tottenham Hotspurs. So, warm welcome to the show once again to you, Ben. Thanks very much, guys. Nice to be here again. Excellent. Okay, we'll start off. With yourself, Ben, four points from the opening two games for Tottenham. Are you happy with the start Pochettino and his team have made to the start of the season? After the Palace game, a little bit more so. Um, I went to, I was at Goodison Park for the Tottenham game there. The first half was shocking, absolutely shocking. There was none of that urgency, none of that fast tempo football that Spurs have been putting on, the slick passing. It was just, it just didn't look good at all. It was, I mean, standing in the crowd watching it, it was so frustrating. Uh, I'll be honest, the referee didn't help really, but a little bit of a change at half time. And, and then uh, after about an hour, Jansen came on and sorry, the, the two up front looked really good. So I think that's definitely uh, something for, you know, Pochettino to look at is playing Jansen and Kane, you know, maybe Kane uh, slightly deeper. So it, it looks, it looks good. And I'm positive for, to be honest with you, I think we're going to take three points off, off your red lot, to be honest. Ooh, controversial. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I actually watched the, um, that game that you played against Everton. And uh, yeah, like you say, first half, to- uh, Everton was pretty much on top, weren't he? But second yeah. half, Tottenham um, did come back into the game and looked the team more likely to win that game, in my opinion. And Everton seemed to tire a little bit. And the last 10 minutes, they seemed to be holding and holding on for that point. And they got, they got the point in the end. But um, yeah, Tottenham definitely put the pressure on that second half. And it's it's nice. I mean, Eric Lamella really is showing why we paid all that money for him. And you know, he's he's I had I read that he's had a hand in a, a seven of the last goals that we scored, whether he's scoring it or he's uh, assisting or whatever he's doing. And you know, it's nice that he's finally paying a little bit of that money back. And he's actually pulling Tottenham, you know, for when they're playing not very well, he's pulling them back into you know their proper game that they like to play. You know, they're getting get the ball out wide against Palace. He, he megged. Um, Andros Townsend that went all over Twitter and everything, which was brilliant. It shows that he's got the confidence back in him. And, you know, I really think he's going to be vital to Tottenham this season. I think he's going to be brilliant this season. I really do. Yes, funny you should say that. I put him in my fancy football team um, oh, last, man. last week. Unfortunately, he got beat by Peter by one point, you jammy so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> in our head-to-head league this week. Go on, P. Head over to Matt. Yeah, you're right, Matt. Yeah, the first question for you is... Sure. What are your views on Saturday's performance against Burnley? Well, I was actually in at the BBC, Pete, on Saturday. So I actually watched the game, one of the uh, privileges of being in there on a Saturday afternoon, obviously with all the feeds of the games coming in for match of the day, is that you can, you can watch whichever game you choose. So naturally, inquisitively, I, uh, I tuned in to Turf Moor thinking uh, I'd be watching something different to what I saw, really. It was, yeah. it was a frustrating 90 minutes. More than I don't think you can be too downcast with a game this early in the season, despite the fact that they've worked hard in pre-season and looked 
in, in, in lots of ways, so positive a week earlier. It wasn't that they did everything wrong on Saturday. It was just a game that wasn't ever going to go their way. They got behind early. It, one became two, two goals on the break. Burnley, I think sometimes you have to give the opposition credit. And Burnley were terrific on the day. They played to a, a game plan. They executed it really, really well. And every little break of the ball, sometimes as a, as a fan, and even as a, as, an, as a kind of cynical old hack like me, it just doesn't go for you. And it was a bit like that on Saturday. Burnley worked hard for everything, maybe worked a bit harder for everything. And Liverpool, without the pace of Mane, and when Coutinho doesn't have one of his on days, which he didn't on, on the weekend, then they do still look a little bit unable to break down an obdurate, well-organised defence. Yeah, also I think that you look at the performance on Saturday, both goals could have been prevented, couldn't they? You see? Yeah. It's yeah, sloppy, I think sloppy crossfield ball from Clavan that yeah. didn't really help us, didn't And then Clavan again for the second goal. It was a weak challenge that he put in that. Went on yeah. yeah, I think you can you can you can look at almost every goal from a from a kind of coaching point of view and see how preventable ninety nine percent of them are. And and to go back to the debate that that was started a week earlier at Arsenal with Moreno in the spotlight, I think some of it comes from the way the manager and coaching team want the team to play. They clearly have instructed them to play from the back. Now, that doesn't mean to play haphazardly from the back, but they're not able to play the kind of longer ball football that actually Burnley played. They can't bypass their own midfield. They're not set up to do that. So they play out from the back. But if you do that, you've got to be more careful than they were for both goals, actually, on, on Saturday. The first one particularly, because obviously it's a misplaced pass in a dangerous area and they're turned. And actually, that's one of Klopp's big things to, to, to win the ball high up the pitch and, and immediately turn... Uh, defence into attack. The second goal is a classic breakaway. They get a little bit of a bounce of the ball in the middle of the pitch. And then Andre Gray does awfully well. But yeah, both centre-halves are a little bit sixes and sevens in terms of closing him down. They're kind of, I suppose, ushering him towards having a shot from the edge of the area. But he dances into a scorable position and, and, and slots it very well. So again, some credit to them. But yeah, you could for sure pick holes in the way Liverpool set up. Yeah, could yeah. I just um, ask you, Matt? I was just listening to uh, John Aldridge on, on my way home before, and he was mm. he was mentioning about a plan B. He said Liverpool didn't really have have anything mm. other than the way that they played. Where if you know, had the likes of Ben Teke, who they've just recently sold, he said it was crying out for somebody like that. He thought if all else fails, why not just pump a few long balls into the box and, and yeah. see what happens? And basically, we we didn't do that, did we? Do you think Klopp's lacking a bit of a, a plan B? Well, uh, I think thinking about actually with Ben on as well, what happened on the weekend uh, with Spurs, obviously they have often played with one striker, partly because they've only had one striker for much of the last couple of seasons. And Harry Kane has dug them out of a lot of holes, but they've now got the opportunity and the option to go to two strikers. And that is, in effect, their plan B. They may even start some games with two strikers, but it gives them that extra bite uh, at the top of the pitch. Now, Liverpool don't really play that way. They don't really play... With with a, with a two man strike force, so maybe no. that is something you need. I don't think they're ever going to go to wide balls and crosses because they haven't got the personnel to do that. That's not the squad he's assembled. He sold the only striker he had with that in mind. And watching, for instance, Man United on Friday night, that's what they did against a Southampton team that were actually playing well for half an hour. They got a wide ball, decent but but just standard cross from Rooney. Zlatan, being what he is, goes right over the top of the centre half, bang one nil, and you've got control of the game. Liverpool can't do that, so they have to look at another way to break down. A well-drilled defence, and if it's if it's two strikers rather than one, and you sacrifice something in the creativity side of the game, maybe that's what they need to think about. Certainly, Klopp has talked, I think, today about needing to find a way to break down well-organised defences because clearly this has worked too often. You think all the way back to Chelsea 
in the title run. Uh, too often teams can sit in and pick Liverpool off. He also touched on Daniel Sturridge, saying he, he looked very, very rusty and um, said that he'd, he'd personally play him against Burnley at the weekend. Uh, sorry, against Burton on Tuesday evening, to just to give him some match fitness and, and get that into him because he, he does look he looks unfit at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah, it wasn't his best day either. Obviously, he can look like that. We've all watched enough Liverpool games. I'm sure even Ben, certainly you two, have seen enough to know that he, he, he like some other players in a Liverpool shirt, can have hot and cold days when it's on. It looks like everything they touch is silky. When it's off, everything seems to kind of bounce. And actually, the second goal came from a, a storage miscontrol. And he can look like that. And maybe being thrust in with having had a, a, a minor injury problem and not played a lot of football for the last two or three weeks, maybe that's the result of it. He's got options now. He's obviously got Ings that he hasn't used yet this season. Presumably will feature tomorrow night. He's got Origi, who has come off the bench a couple of times. Firmino has obviously started as a kind of a nine on at least one occasion. So he's got options and he needs to think about them uh, both uh, in terms of starting games and how he changes the game during the 90 minutes. Sturridge, yeah, you could argue needs more football, but he just needs a good day, really. Spot on. Cheers, Matt. OK, then, P, you, um, do you want to head over to, uh, to Ben? Do you think Pochettino will start with two up front on Saturday, Ben, or do you think he'll go with one? And if so, will it be Kane or Janssen? I think, in honesty, I'd like to see him go with the two. I think that um, I'd like to see Janssen up front with, with Kane for definite. After seeing that, you know, that 30 minutes against Everton live um, and seeing that, you know, the problems that Janssen caused, I really think that, it, you know, I don't think he can not play them both really against Liverpool, where, which, you know, after, you know, the defensive areas you talked about against Burnley, I think potentially with the football that we can play with Lamella, you know, pinging the ball around with Walker bombing forward, Rose, and then the two lads in the middle, I really think we can cause some problems. I think Harry Kane, after a bit of a bad Euros, you know, he, he, I mean, why was he taking corners? That's been asked a lot. And not playing him, I don't think he played him properly. I don't think Hodgson played him properly there. He's lacking a bit of confidence. But he started to get a few shots against Palace. He got a few. They were looking like he was hitting it a bit crisper. It was coming off the boot better. You know, heading on target as well, which he didn't do at all. You know, over the last few games in pre-season, he hardly got a look in, really. So I think if he plays with a two up front, I think Harry Kane's going to grow in confidence playing off Janssen. I'd like to see rotated round either Deli Alley or Eriksen and either one of them drop out, you know, of the midfield because Deli Alley again, has been a little bit off the boil. Uh, he's not been too well as well. That's why I think he missed, uh, he didn't start against Palace. And, and I think we can afford to drop one of those two out, you know, with the way that our, and our fullbacks bomb forward in their room. So, uh, I definitely go with two. I really honestly think Janssen's going to have a, a real positive effect on Tottenham this season. I really do. Very good. Yeah, quick question for you, Ben. Can you see Spurs pushing for the title again, or would you be satisfied with top four? Over the last, uh, last season was the highest league finish, I think, since, I'm trying to, I don't know the date, but I think Gary Lineker was playing, so it's got to be in the early 90s, you know, yeah. and it's, it's something that, we seem to bottle it at the end. I and mean, we look at last season, Newcastle, last game of the season. And, and you know, relegated Newcastle absolutely spanked us. And, you know, it was it was soul-destroying to see. So I would, like, my head would say, you know, top four would be great, making sure we get Champions League. Because uh, I think there's a rule change coming in that the top four don't have to qualify. So the fourth place don't qualify next season, maybe, I think it is. Right. Um, so I think... 
I think, you know, he- like, you know, it's like head says that would be great. But if you're going to push for the title one season, you want to push for the next season, don't you? And, and the Arsenal don't look like they're going to do it again. So, you know, let's, let's go for it and kick them out of that, out of that top four once and for all. Why yeah. not? Why not? Yeah. They've had a bit of a, a sluggish start, haven't they, to the start of the season, Arsenal? So, um, and the, the, the fans I've, seem I've, to be pretty much turning on Wenger oh, yeah, by the week, yeah. don't they? I was listening to Talk Sport earlier on in the car on the way home, and um, it's Darren Goff is on, and I forget who the gentleman who, who broadcast with Adrian, Ronnie, but, um, Adrian Dunham is it? Yeah, that's his name. Thank you. He he doesn't like Wenger, and he really doesn't see Arsenal doing anything this season. And I'm like, and I really think we've been saying that for a few seasons now, and for some reason they seem to be able to get one over Tottenham, and even if they're playing miserable. And, and I know that, like, you know, as yourselves, the Liverpool fans, you, you, you know, you put up with a lot of blues who are always bitter about, you know, always want their cup final is beating Liverpool. Well, in a way, Tottenham's is a bit, you know, to put one over Arsenal finally in the league would be amazing, in all honesty. It would be a nice, <laughs> it'd be a nice show of the progress, a nice show that we can hold our nerve, you know, and it, and if we, and if we do put one over them, that means we're right up the top of the league anyway. So, you know, it's, it's a really good sign to put one over the Arsenal and, and, uh, that, and that would be, that would be the best thing, to be honest here. Excellent stuff, Ben. Okay. Um, just back over to you then, Matt. We've had, uh, mm-hmm. we asked for some questions off, um, off Twitter and a couple of our listeners have wrote in. One guy, Carpe Sadesh, has asked, what's Matt's thought on the reports regarding a possible takeover or investment from the Chinese into Liverpool? Yeah, well, obviously, this is quite topical. And, and, and listen, things can move quickly. I, I, from my understanding of the situation, I don't think we're talking about a takeover. I don't think FSG, the current owners, are at all interested in selling the club, even at whatever premium yeah. they might be able to generate. There is clearly some interest from the Far East and from China in particular, who, as we can all see over the last, what, 12 to 18 months, have clearly decided as... Uh, Abu Dhabi and Qatar have previously that football is a kind of means to an end. They want to spray significant money around because they see football as a means of diversifying their standing internationally, basically. It's a way of, if you like, bringing interest and I suppose a certain status to their nations, really. Uh, it certainly worked for those two principalities in, in, in the Middle East and I think it could work for the Chinese to, so it's a gateway of sorts into English football, which is, let's face it, a wash with money already. I think FSG would be interested in a significant minority stake if it was the right partner and it propels the club forward. Now, against that, you've got, I think, a manager who doesn't necessarily want to just go and buy ready-made 30-year-old superstar footballers and ram them into his team. I don't think that's his way of doing things. Even today, he's talked about the fact that he, he's desperate for the transfer window to close so we can talk about the game and not buying players. This is the world we're all now in as clubs, as fans, as followers, as players, agents, observers, whatever we all are. It's now a massively, globally, financially driven sport, isn't it? So if you don't compete financially with your your, your rivals, you are going to go backwards. It's going to be so much harder than 20 years ago to finish around the top of the league because... It's it's a financial imperative that you compete with your, your rivals. Now, Spurs and Liverpool are both in a similar boat. They've got a lot of money, but not as much as the clubs above them. So how do you break in and stay in that top four? How do you compete for a title without a billion pounds or more in your coffers? It's, it's, it's going more and more in that direction. So if you're not careful, you can cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, do you think there's, there's scope for them to, to look at that main stand spon- sponsorship side of things? 
There might be, yeah, but I think, relatively speaking, that's that small fry. I, don't get me wrong, I think the main stand development is a fantastic idea. It's been something the club's been crying out for for a number of years with so many false dawns on the new stadium and so on. I think I'd like to see, I'm sure we all would like to see, the Anfield Road end uh, come thick and fast behind it so that the stadium feels more complete. Because that's the other stand that clearly is is far too small for today's football and is another way to make the ground bigger. I think if you can get 60,000 plus into Anfield every other Saturday uh, or every other weekend, then you're, in that sense, competing with your rivals for numbers, for, for standing and status for noise, even though I think it's already one of the noisiest grounds on a good day. So, yeah, some money to be generated by that and in, inward investment. But I think um, if you're gonna if you're gonna sell a stake in the club, it needs to be to generate enough cash to actually move the goalposts for Liverpool. Really excellent. Thanks for your for your thoughts on the uh, the investments of the club. Okay, then uh, Peter, do you want to head back over to Ben? Yeah. Um, quick question for you, Ben. Can you see Pochettino going back into the transfer markets? I I, I hope so. And I've got this guy coming over from Marseille. They say he's an attacking winger. I'll be honest with you, I've not seen him play. I don't know too much about him apart from that, you know, I'm I, I'm hoping that he's got a bit of pace that I think that Tottenham need. And, and if he isn't that kind of guy, that's the kind of person I think we've been crying out for is someone who will take the ball to the byline, and, you know, and like a bit like what Walker does. So, I mean, you know, I think every team needs a bit of pace to frighten a defence, you know, when when you haven't got a, you know, when passing the ball around the middle of the park isn't working, you know, then you need to get out wide and get some legs on there. So I'm hoping that that's that's an area looking for. And you know, talking to a lot of um, Spurs fans, yeah, at the game at Goodison Park, there was a lot of talk about you know an, another centre back is needed. Um, so I think there's there's potential for that. But we've got Carter's vicar, a Carter Vickers coming through. And I, I was watching him warm up at Goodison, and the lads are lads a unit, you know what I mean? And and it, apparently he's got pace and he's got skill to go with, you know, with a bit of strength. And, and you know, if I was on the ball running at him, I think he'd terrify, you know, terrify the life out of me, to be honest with you. So you know, he could be a good one coming in. Along with uh, we've got Wimmer already there, and you know, the two of them I, I think are going to deputise. But I definitely think I'd like to see you know a centre back probably come in. You know, if it is along the likes of, you know, uh, like Kevin Vim, you know, it's one that's almost one for the future, if you like. You know what I mean? But that can step in and deputise. If I can come in there, fellas, it's it's, it's George uh, Nkudu, who's the under France, France under-21 winger that I think they have actually agreed a fee and Clinton and G going in the opposite That's direction. That's right. I, I couldn't pronounce his name, to be honest. I didn't <laughs> want to embarrass myself, so thanks no. for that. <laughs> no, he, he, George Nkudu, I think he's an exciting young player. I've seen a little bit of him in French football and he is pacey and, and direct, which I think is something that Spurs uh, will, will, will need. Are you worried, by the way, if I can ask a quick question, I hope I'm not jumping on your toes here, Pete. Not at all. No, back. go ahead. Are you worried about the departure of, of uh, resignation of Paul Mitchell, Ben? Because I felt that was a, a big move bringing him in from, from Southampton. He's obviously done so much recruitment-wise at Southampton to get the conveyor belt moving. And I think Spurs hope for similar things. And I guess he and Daniel Levy were just encroaching on each other's territory a little bit too much. And uh, he's decided to look elsewhere, which I, I wonder whether that's a step back for Pochettino. I think I, I agree completely. I think it is a massive loss. Uh, I think that, you know, his track record... Already, you know, with, with what he's done at Tottenham, what he did at Southampton speaks for itself that, you know, he's got an eye for, you know, a really good, talented young player, someone that can, that can develop and wants to be developed as well, I think is a key part of some of the, the players that's been brought in. I worry that if it is a clash with Levy, because, you know, everyone knows that Daniel Levy likes a bargain and he likes to haggle and get his money's worth and he, he rubs a lot of people up the wrong way. But, 
you know, he's been instrumental in slowly building, you know, a strong Tottenham team that, you know, that does make money, that isn't in danger of, you know, bankrupting itself or getting itself into financial trouble. I mean, you know, the, the deal is for the likes of, you know, Wanyama at 11 million and Janssen at just under 19 is, you know, it, it, a great deals when, you know, the current rate of players like, I mean, Benteke going for 30 million to Crystal Palace, you know, that's a, that's a lot of money for a guy that, that didn't quite do it, you know. So I think Levy's done very well, but losing Mitchell, I think, I think he's, he might regret that one. Uh, and I don't, I, I'm hoping it's not an ego thing that Daniel Levy thinks he can do himself and he can do better himself maybe so yeah mm. definitely worried about that and I hope they I would you know hope that we don't go to you know rue that decision and, and you know that's going to cost us maybe cost us Pochettino in the future mm. excellent stuff Ben um, yeah can I just ask you a quick one as well Ben just touching on Harry Kane once again he's he's been pretty pretty quiet up to now this season hasn't he obviously yeah. he's not scored yet do you think he's feeling the effects of playing in the Euros and, and not having a break for pretty much the past 18 months yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, he did it last season. I think he went, um, was it the season before, sorry, where I think he was at the under 21, uh, championships. He, yeah, he played in that as well, didn't he? Yeah, you know, he's not really had a break in two years, but then he's come mm. back and, you know, he's eventually scored over 20 goals in each season. So I, I don't worry too much now that we've brought Jansen in because it means Kane doesn't have to play every single game or, you know, he, he can come off the bench if he, if he does need a rest. And I, and I do think having a strike partner is going to bring out uh, you know, it's going to help restore confidence. It's going to bring a different side to his game. So I really think that Tottenham, you know, bringing that, say bringing Jansen is going to make a real difference for him. But, you know, worrying about, I, I don't, I'm not worried about him because, you know, he's a young man. He's playing for a team where he's worshipped. I mean, he came over to the, comes over to the crowd at the end of every game and the crowd just, you know, goes insane for him. You know, we, we everyone chants that are blue in the face, you know, you're one of our own. And, and, um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and he thrives off it. And he is always, you know, one of the last players off the pitch because he's always recognised the crowd. And I just think the guy's got so much drive and integrity. And I, I can't see anything else but him scoring 20 goals again this season. And in fact, you know, I'd probably put a few quid on it that he does score 20 goals a season. Yeah, just as long as you aren't singing um, that... Uh, song you've just got caned have you seen that by them guys on twitter no I haven't. oh my <laughs> word no but i'm gonna have a look there's one guy's in the park with about five or six of his friends and he just starts singing you, you've just got caned and they're all they all just start jumping around and oh have a look at it it's absolutely it's ludicrous <laughs> i think also with a quick one on harry kane though last season at the start he struggled for goals didn't he yeah in the last season and i think a few people after the season previous to that, when he, he come on the scene and looked brilliant and scored goals for fun, a lot of people were saying, is that just what like a one-season wonder, first-season yeah. syndrome? And people jumped on that, didn't they, at the start of last season? Where Oh, massive. They they were all calling, you know, t- saying, he, that's it, he's never going to score yeah. a goal again. And, and then he came and, and scored more goals and, you know, led the line, broke into the England team. You know, he did so much that I don't see it not happening again. You know what I mean? And I, I, my only, I don't, I don't worry about him at Tottenham. I think Pochettino will get the best out of him. I think he'll look after him. The team will look after him. You know, the fans absolutely adore him. You know, I mean, like I was, I said, I went to a few games last season. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, you know, you know, singing his name and cheering when he scored. And it was, you know, he really is loved. And I think that'll drive him. My worry is that the effect that England could have on him. And you saw it at the Euros with, 
You know, like I said, he, he was taking corners. I mean, why the hell was he taking corners? Yeah. Why isn't he in the box? He's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's over a, six foot, isn't he? He's exactly. massive. Yeah. You know, he, he scores with every part of his body. Do you know what I mean? He'll, he'll, he'll throw everything at the ball. And why would you want him putting the ball in the box? It doesn't make any sense. So I worried, I, I hope that Sam Allardyce does, you know, know how to play him. And I hope he gets the best out of him. And that doesn't have a knock on to his Tottenham, you know, confidence and, and his start to the season. Because if it does, then, do you know what? I don't like to say it, but uh, he's not allowed to play for England anymore. Do you know what I mean? I'll ban him from that. <laughs> so he scores at Tottenham more. That's the way I was studied when he plays for England. Oh, yeah. Always coming back time. <laughs> Next question for you, Matt, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, sure. After Klopp's comments today on wanting the transfer window to shut and get back mm. to talk about football, can you actually see him going back into the transfer market and hopefully sign the left-back or the midfielder? <laughs> well, I think... In an ideal world, he would have liked to have done all his business by now. Uh, I don't think he'll be swayed by the good of what we saw against Arsenal or the bad of what we saw against Burnley as much as us fans might be. I think we're always tempted to look for quick fixes and, uh, and, and knee-jerk reactions because that's the way we are as supporters, you know? Uh, I don't think he'll look at it quite in those terms. But I don't know what the long-term prognosis is. Uh, for Joe Gomez, who obviously had a setback to his long-term knee injury, yeah. uh, and whether he's likely to be available in the near future at at, uh, at full-back, although I think perhaps in the very long term, he might be a centre-half really by by nature. But I'm just thinking about cover at left-back. Now, obviously, he picked James Milner there on Saturday. It gets James into the team. He never lets you down. He didn't actually let Liverpool down on, on Saturday, really, in a 2 deal defeat, but he's not an out-and-out out natural full-back, either right or left. Certainly on the left, you're putting a square peg in a round hole for all uh, of his good work. And Moreno is what he is. He, I think he, he he plays in the way that he's told to. He plays to his natural strengths, but he's not a he's not a, a natural defender. Um, so they do look a little vulnerable in that area. Um, and I would imagine if they can find the right player, then business could still be done. Now, um, who that is and what price uh, he, he might command and whether that can be done between now and uh, the transfer window closing, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, elsewhere in the pitch, well, midfield, yeah, I can understand why some would still feel Liverpool are short of a, a commanding presence in the middle of the pitch when you look at what other teams have recruited this summer and, and what Liverpool have lacked in the, in the last couple of seasons in the middle of the park. Is there somebody who actually can boss the game in that way? I guess he's got longer-term hopes for, for Grujic to maybe become that player or Emre Chan to continue developing into that a leader, if you like, in the middle of the park and certainly dictate the play. That's perhaps the thing that, that Liverpool lack is a dictator of the play from the middle of the pitch. Someone who can organise and control the flow of the game because I don't think any of the players he's currently got necessarily do that. So I can see, again, what people are looking for, but is that player available at a price Liverpool can pay? Don't know. And in selling Benteke, is he looking for another striker? I'm sure he is, if he can find one that's better. Than, than he's already got and of course if he's prepared to countenance playing two at one time because he is well stocked with forward players if not out and out strikers so it's not that the squad lacks for me it's just trying to find consistency and and, and that's consistency in performance and maybe selection which then would lead eventually to results because Spurs under Pochettino last season were pretty settled he found a way of incorporating all of his important players and, and one of the reasons they went so close last year was that, that that continuity gave them consistency. And Liverpool certainly, for all their highs, uh, lacked that still. Yeah, I completely agree, yeah. 
Excellent stuff, lads. Okay, then what we will do now, we'll head over to the, the quiz part of the show. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> five questions shootout, five questions each. If it's a, a, a draw at the end, I've got a tiebreaker question for you. So, Peter, I've sent you the Spurs questions, is that right? No, I've got the Liverpool questions. You've got the Liverpool <laughs> questions, right. Okay, I'll, uh, I've got the Spurs ones here as well. Ben will go first because they're the home team on Saturday. Okay, so the first question in the quiz tonight for you Ben is from which club did Spurs sign Sun Hyung Min oh I've got two in my head and they're both buyers uh, Bayer Leverkusen that's the correct answer good uh, oh, held it. Very good answer. one yeah good one pal right then Matt here's your first question ok mate from which club did Liverpool sign Loris Karius from that was from Pop's old club, Mainz. Very good, very good. 1-1. One, one. one apiece. Okay, then. Next question for yourself, Ben. Yep. Mauricio Pochettino has been Spurs manager for 112 games. During that time, has he lost more or less than 30 games? Ooh. 112 games? Yep. Uh, more or less, less than 30. Less. That's the correct answer, 27. Ah, last season was a blinder. I mean, we only lost about five or six, I think. So. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good stat, that, isn't it? Yeah, not bad at all. like that. It's about time we had a manager. <laughs> right then, Matt's second question. Go on, please. On Liverpool's new green third kit, stitched into it is the quote, play like lions. Which previous Liverpool manager said this quote? Is it Gerard Houllier, Rafa Benitez, or Kenny Dalglish? Ooh, I'm guessing now because I don't actually know the answer. But of those three, I'd have to think it was Dalglish. It's not actually it's Gerard. It it's Gerard Houllier, yeah. Is it? Is it? There you go. I should know. Okay, so that's 2-1 to Ben. Third question for you, Ben, that is... is who scored the most Premier League goals last season for Tottenham from Eric Lamella, Christian Eriksen, or Sun Hyung Min? Ooh. Uh, I want to say. Uh, I'm going to go with Lamella. It's actually Christian Eriksen. Ah, oh, never! Never! <laughs> <laughs> he got six, Lamella five, and Sun four. Did he? Yeah, jeez. So that's. Still 2-1 and Matt's got his third question to equalise yet. Yeah. Make it a toughie. <laughs> Here we go, Matt. I'll <laughs> yeah, go for the easy one now. Right. Liverpool manager Jürgen Klopp made his managerial debut for us at White Hart Lane last season. What was the score? I remember that game, actually, because of all the attention, obviously, generated by his appointment. And it wasn't a bad game, but I'm pretty sure it finished 0-0. Correct, yeah. It was a good 0-0 and exciting <coughs> Yes, first, back in first the race, game back in the race. Three apiece. Okay, then. Fourth question for you, Ben, yes, is sir. who won Spurs Player of the Year last season? Was it Hugo Lloris, Christian Eriksen, or Toby Alderweireld? Toby. You saying Alderweireld? Alderweireld, yeah. Correct answer. Get in there. That actually surprised me, that, with, with the, the amount of goals that Kane scored. He wasn't even... Um, 
in the running, really, was Alderweireld he? Alderweireld was absolutely outstanding, and he cost, I mean, 11 million for him. It was bargain of the season last season, I think. He was linked with Liverpool in the past, and I wanted Liverpool to actually sign him for when he left um, Atletico Madrid. He's an excellent player. Yeah, a friend a of mine's guy. an Atleti fan, and he was he was crying his eyes out when he left. He really was. He was gutted because he knew how good he, he could be, and and you know, it's, uh, last season at Spurs proved it. So I made up with that. Right, here we Three, go. Three two to Ben. Matt's fourth question. Right then, Matt, who scored mm. the most Premier League goals last season from Jordan Henderson, Adam Lallana, or Divock Origi? The most Premier League goals between Jordan, Jordan Lallana, and Origi. Yep. Premier League goals. Don't think it was Endo. So it's between the other two. They both kind of came on in the second half of the season, really under Klopp. Can't have been much in it. Um, is that a keyboard I hear typing? You're good. <laughs> no, honestly, it's not. No, it's not. He's got his, he's got his BT Sports staff back out. <laughs> <laughs> Sound of my very small brain. Wearing, I'll, I'll, it, it is a guess between the other two. I'll go for Origi. I'm just not sure, but I'll go for Origi. Good answer. It is. Ah. Origi scored five, Lallana four, Henderson two. It yeah, was close. Mm. 3-3. Final question each. Ooh. Right. Your final question... Ben is Nabil Bentaleb yep. represents which international team? Algeria. <sighs> Straight on the button there. It was. Good answer. Algeria, yeah. Even think about there. it. 4-3. Okay, Matt, you need this one to equalise to take it to a tie break. Right then, Matt. Penalty shootout if you get to this. Right then, Matty, is your final question. Liverpool centre-back Joel Matip represents which national side? Oh, I know that. Joel Matip is a Cameroon defender. Very good. Very oh, good. Well and I'll tell you what, Pete, our first three quizzes this season have all gone to a tiebreaker, haven't they? They have. And, and that's why I got a tiebreaker question ready this week, because I never had one the, two, the previous two weeks, I thought <laughs> it won't happen. So I've got one ready tonight. <laughs> it's neither club related, so... Like last time, I don't know if you... I think it did go to a quick tiebreaker last time for you, Matt, but I'm not sure about you, Ben. What I'll do, I'll ask the question, and then as um, soon as I end the, end the question, just come in with your name, and uh, the first one to say will get the opportunity, and then the other one after that, and then obviously like a penalty shootout situation, okay. we will uh, go like that. So, P, you can be the referee, and tell me which person got in there first. So, the tiebreaker question is going to be... For which English league club did cricketer Ian Botham once play for? Ben. I think that was Matt. It was Matt. Ah, never! <laughs> Go on, Matt. It is Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe ah. United. It's a good answer. Well done, Matt. Thank God for that. Well played, Ben. <laughs> uh, thank you, mate. I'd shame if I'd lost again. I think I lost last time. I couldn't lose twice on this podcast. It's a dummy <laughs> Well, you, that's, for that's my second time losing so cheers for oh, that I'm sorry Ben listen oh, to this Ben <laughs> yeah have a listen <laughs> oh no I found it halfway through the the podcast I was doing a thought if he gets beat I'm going to have to play it <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> oh, Love it. Oh, unbelievable. Um, but yeah, great shootout um, quiz there. Yeah, Matt, a little bit. 
to never walk alone for you while you got the win. Oh. Let's hope they play this at White Hart Lane on Saturday, but I doubt it. No, <laughs> no chance. Okay, then, uh, just before we end the show, what I'm going to do is play our unsigned band. This week, I'm going to play a band called The Lucetters. These guys are a young four-piece band from the Essex area. The lads are described by Ollie Winberg, who's on the BBC, introducing as an absolutely amazing live band. And uh, the track I'm going to play for for you tonight is called The Game by The Lucetters. was The Game by The Loose Setters. Thanks very much, Ben and Matt, for coming on the show tonight, lads. Enjoyed your company there. Yeah, thanks, boys. Nice one. Uh, see you again, nice, uh, see nice again uh, on the uh, away trip. Spot on, mate, yeah. Nice to talk to you, Ben, and uh, cheers to both of you, Peters, and enjoyed that, the track again. It was good. Loose Setters, like that.
Yeah, spot on. Give it to the lads over at BT, see if they can get them on there, Matt. I'll do my best, mate. I'll do my best. <laughs> Thanks very much. Okay, so that's the Cop Tables preview of the Spurs game this coming weekend. We'll be back next week with the Cop Table podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Good night. And